0: Since the implementation of the HIPAA breach notification rule in 2009, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services has investigated every reported breach of protected health information affecting 500 or more individuals. Now, HHS's Office for Civil Rights says it is also ramping up its investigations into smaller breaches affecting fewer than 500 individuals, as resources permit, with the goal of developing corrective action plans where appropriate. I'm Marianne Kolbisak mcgee Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today, I'm speaking with Eliana Peters, Senior Advisor for Compliance and Enforcement at OCR. Ileana will be discussing why and how OCR plans to carry out its effort to investigate smaller breaches. So now, Ileana, as I said, OCR has announced that it has begun to more widely investigate the root causes of breaches affecting fewer than 500 individuals. What was the catalyst? For instance, is OCR seeing an uptick in the number of smaller breaches being reported? I want to take the opportunity to
1: clarify that OCR regional offices have opened compliance reviews to look at the root causes of reported breaches affecting fewer than 500 individuals for some time now. Um, we've had some settlement work in this area, three particular cases come to mind that have involved breaches affecting fewer than 500 individuals, but the work in this area really has been at discretion of the regional office and dictated by the resources available in terms of investigators and investigative time uh, for these particular smaller breach reports. So the initiative that we mentioned in our listserv announcement is really to standardize our regional approach to those compliance reviews. So to kind of make sure that all of the regional offices are on the same page in terms of how they address the reports of smaller breaches, Um, particularly to address recommendations by the OIG in one of their recent reports to us, that we do just that. So the OIG, um, about a year or so ago, did issue a report that asked us to take a closer look at the smaller breach reports on a consistent basis with our regional offices investigating them. And so we did assure the OIG that we would take that recommendation under consideration and really do more work in that area. And then we wanted to just ensure that all of the regions are reviewing the reports and pursuing appropriate compliance reviews. So this doesn't necessarily mean that all regions are going to have an uptick in their work in this area. As I said, many of them are doing a very good job of this already. But we wanted to make sure that we had, you know, sort of a standard approach to looking at these reports. The other purpose of this listserv announcement was to really highlight the work that we've already done here for covered entities and business associates. So we could make sure that covered entities and their business associates appropriately prioritize the compliance concerns that may result from the review of their own breaches affecting fewer than 500 individuals. So, in other words, while we aren't necessarily seeing an uptick in smaller breach reports, we want to make sure that entities are looking closely at their own small breach reports as they submit them so we can see whether or not those entities are appropriately addressing, again, the root causes of the those reports. So, as you can imagine, many of these reports affect one or two individuals only, and we understand that people make mistakes and sometimes these things really are just an employee error of some kind, but in the circumstances where you have multiple single breaches that affect numbers of individuals for the same reason, like there may be some sort of consistent mismailing or consistent misfaxing, which is something we often see in these smaller breach reports, that may indicate that the covered entity or business associate needs to take a closer look at their administrative safeguards, for example, to make sure that their employees are appropriately understanding how they should do those mailings or faxings, et cetera. So the purpose of this listserv announcement was, as I said, twofold, really to let the industry know that we are sort of standardizing how we're going to approach these investigations And to put them on notice that they may receive data requests in this area, but also to remind them to take a closer look at their own compliance practices with regard to these types of breaches.
0: And in terms of the percentage of smaller breaches that might get investigated moving forward, is that expected to grow much? I do think that what we are hoping to do with this smaller breach
1: initiative is, again, pretty much just standardize the way our regions look at these breach reports. We do expect the number of investigations to grow over the next year or so, but again, it really depends on how many investigations each regional office was doing before. So, as I said, some regional offices were doing quite a few of these already. Some regional offices were doing fewer of them. So the impact of the overall numbers, I really don't have a good percentage for that because it really depends per regional office on the amount of work they were already doing in this area. And really the guidance to our regional offices was very similar to what we provided to the industry in our listserv announcement, and that really is the areas of focus that our regional investigators should be looking at in terms of trying to identify the types of that we want to do in this area. And those may be, as we set out in the listserv announcement, continued compliance concerns. As I said, the breaches that continue to occur and may indicate larger compliance concerns with any particular entity, business associate, or covered entity. Those issues that may indicate criminal or egregious behavior and a pattern of such behavior, those breaches that might indicate thefts, for example, of information or of laptops or mobile devices, those breaches that maybe we want to refer to the DOJ for the FBI to take a look at. So those are all different types of investigations that we'll, we will be focusing on with this initiative. And as I said, it really depends on the work that the regional office was doing in this area before, whether this will be a much bigger list for them or will be more just sort of normal routine business. And as I said, that really just has, in the past, depended on the resources that the regional office
0: had available. And with that said, is OCR adding resources to the regional offices? And if so what sort of resources, and will any of this be funded through some of the financial penalties that OCR has collected in recent months related to other HIPAA settlements and financial penalties that were imposed?
1: I do just want to
0: clarify
1: that the work that we largely do in our enforcement program is not penalties. They are settlement amounts. So we have only had two fines in the life of our program and those are the only actual penalties that we have imposed. Uh, The majority of the enforcement work that we do we feel strongly about and that is through settlement agreements and those settlement agreements include corrective action plans where we ask the entity to reinvest in its own enterprise in order to provide the most benefit to the most individuals. So in other words we settle with an entity ask them to do corrective action as part of a robust corrective action plan that includes monitoring and we work with them over a period of years to come into compliance for a reduced amount of money. Um, they are a very small fraction of what we could actually impose as fines or penalties. So I do just want to clarify that first. Secondly, you are absolutely correct that the high tech act provided that the monies from our settlements and those two civil money penalties that we have imposed would go to our office to be dedicated to our enforcement efforts. So besides our annual appropriation, we are using those recoveries, those settlement monies, to help primarily staff up our regional offices. So the idea is that the resources that we're talking about when we're talking about doing compliance investigations are, you know, most importantly good investigators to be doing this hard work. So not only in our D.C. office where we're um, working with a lot of additional investigators here, additional auditors, subject matter experts, but also in the regional offices, we are trying our best to find good folks to do really great investigatory work in those offices. So again, you're absolutely correct that we are using the settlement funds that we have recovered as provided for by the Tech Act to develop our resources both here in DC, but also particularly in our regional offices to do these investigations.
0: And in terms of the number of investigators that are that are expected to join either the regional offices or have already joined the D.C. office as these enforcement activities are being ramped up, can you give me a sense of how many people? You know, I don't have that number right off the top of my
1: head. We are still a very small office, so any small number of people makes a big difference for us. And as you probably know, we've hired several auditors to work with us here in headquarters. I believe our audit team is up at 10 now. So I do know sort of that number off the top of my head, but in terms of regional investigators, again, it varies by region, and if it were up to me, they'd all have a huge staff, but, you know, we just don't have the resources for that quite yet, but we are, as I said, doing our best to find great attorneys and others to help us in those regional offices.
0: So, Ileana, give me a sense of what an organization might expect if OCR does conduct an investigation of a smaller breach. For instance, will these investigations be similar to the kinds of investigations that OCR conducts for the larger breaches? And also, as you had mentioned, there have been some smaller breaches that have resulted in settlements. Do you think we'll see more of those with the smaller breaches? You're absolutely right
1: that the investigatory process will be absolutely the same. We do two different types of investigations here in OCR. One is complaint-based and one is a compliance review. And the only difference in those two types of investigations is the instigating event. So obviously our complaint investigations are driven by complaints, individual complaints, file complaints with us, and we open investigations based on those complaints. Our compliance review are pretty much driven by any other initiating event and that can be a breach report, whether it's is about a breach that affects 500 or more individuals or whether that breach report was about a breach that affected fewer than 500 individuals. We can also combine a whole series of breach reports that we've received and open one compliance review. We can also open compliance reviews when we hear through news reports or referrals from other state or federal agencies. That there may be compliance concerns with regard to the HIPAA rules, and those might be instigating events for a compliance review. But once the review or the complaint investigation is begun, the process is exactly the same for both of those types of investigations. There is a flowchart of that process on our website, and it does involve a review of the facts and circumstances of either the complaint or the news report or the breach report, and then whether or not we would. Would refer to the Department of Justice if there are criminal allegations involved. HIPAA criminal jurisdiction obviously is under the purview of the Department of Justice. And then we would move forward with a notification and data request to the covered entity or a business associate that would outline for them the information that we're looking for in that particular investigation. I do think that you are correct that the investigations of breaches affecting fewer than 500 individuals are going to be very similar to those that affect 500 or more because the issues are very similar. As you can imagine, there are similar issues with, again, compliance concerns that may result from the theft of mobile devices or some type of hacking or IT, other IT event or improper disposal, all of those things are common to not only our reports of breaches affecting 500 or more, but also those affecting fewer than 500 individuals' concerns.
0: Eliana, what is the status of the HIPAA compliance audit program that's underway? For instance, OCR said in July that about 167 covered entities were notified about being selected for the compliance audits. How are those audits going, and when should the business associates expect to be notified that they've been selected for an audit? So I do, and just want to first
1: clarify that we do not necessarily see our audit program as a compliance and enforcement function. The main function of our audit program is really to better understand where our industry is in terms of compliance so that we can provide additional guidance to our industry in those areas. It's also for purposes of developing best practices and understanding from covered entities and business associates what their best practices are that are with regard to both the privacy rule and the security rule and the breach notification rule So while we may have some serious non-compliance, In our audits that we have to look further into as a compliance program that really is not the goal of our audit program. That said, all of the information about our audit program is available on our website and we do update it frequently as the program changes to let the industry know where we are in our audit program. We have begun our audits of covered entities and we are in that process now. We have received the requested data from those entities, and our auditors are looking at the information submitted by the covered entities that we notified were auditees. The next round will be business associates as part of what we asked those covered entities to submit was a list of their business associates so we can build a more robust database with regard to our business associate community. And so we'll hopefully be sending data requests to business associates later this year, and then hopefully we'll be doing on-sites early next year as our resources permit. But all of that information can be found on our website, and I do encourage all of your listeners to go there and take a good look at all of the really important information that is available to them.
0: And Eliana, one last question. You mentioned that the audit program really isn't seen as an enforcement activity. It's more to develop best practices and so on and so forth. If OCR does find cases of serious non-compliance during these audits, is it possible that OCR could look to do some sort of settlement or corrective action plan with an organization that is being audited that could have, you know, some serious non-compliance issues? Yes. The answer to that is yes. As I mentioned
1: previously, our compliance reviews can be initiated really based on any indicators of noncompliance. So certainly if there are egregious noncompliance, if there is serious noncompliance by any particular covered entity or business associate at the enforcement agency, we do have a responsibility to ensure that that situation does not continue. And that could mean a a lot of different resolutions to any particular compliance review, just as it does now, with regard to any other circumstances of noncompliance. And as you said, that could include um, requiring corrective action, and that could even include a settlement agreement. As I said, that's not necessarily our goal with the audit program, but we just don't know yet what we will see.
0: Thanks, Ileana. I've been speaking to Ileana Peters of OCR. I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.